0: Wherever you go.
1: Good evening, and welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and top instructors go to share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, Ben Hogan Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Salt Creek Golf Retreat, Taylor Made Golf, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, and Super Speed Golf. Now here's your host, Chris Mascaro.
2: Good evening, folks, and thank you for joining me again tonight here on Next on the T. What an exciting show we have on tap for you tonight. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and we are jam-packed with great instructors from all over the country. I've got... One from the north, I got one from the south, I got one headed out to the midwest, and then I'll also be joined by one of our sponsors, who uh, I am crediting for uh, getting Ricky Fowler over the top and finally into the winner's circle at the Waste Management Open, an event he finished in the top five several times, but never could get over the hump and get a win, until he started doing business and becoming a spokesperson for one of our partners. So we'll talk about that. First up with me tonight, I'm going to get a visit from PGA professional Keith Jarvis. Keith is a a Golf Channel Academy lead instructor up in New Jersey. He has worked with and been instructed by Hank Haney when Hank was the Dean of Instruction at ESPN's golf schools. Keith has also worked with Andy Plummer and Mike Bennett, who are the founders of the Stack and Tilt methodology. So we'll talk about his time learning from all three of those guys. Keith is also a top U.S. kids instructor, so we'll talk about what he's doing to keep his young students engaged in the game and then the success that he is helping them achieve. So a lot to get into with Keith. Really looking forward to having him as part of the show, and he'll join me in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visitor from 2010 South Florida PGA Teacher of the Year, Chris Chaya. You guys know Chris has become a wonderful friend of the show, and he's doing great things down there in the South Florida section of the PGA. I'll get some stroke savers from him. We'll talk about the importance of a pre-shot routine. We'll talk about what our pre-round warm-up routine should also look like. And, and for those of us over 50, how can we regain some of the lost yardages that uh, we're, we're seeing up and down our bag? Chris is going to join me a little bit later on in this half hour. About 45 minutes from now, Golf Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 instructor Tom Patry is going to be back with me, and Tom is going to become a regular part of the show. You remember us talking about that when he joined me a couple of weeks ago. He'll join me every couple of weeks uh, throughout the month, and throughout, I should say throughout the year, share more of his insights and playing lessons along the way. Tom has a big announcement regarding a new club that he is going to be making his summer home base, so we'll talk about that. Also get his thoughts on Phil Mickelson's win yesterday at Pebble Beach. We also heard today that Tiger has named three assistant captains for this year's U.S. President's Cup team, one of them being Fred Couples, who Tom worked with for several years. So we'll talk about that as well. Looking forward to having TP back with me a little bit later on in this hour. Then we'll wrap up tonight's show with a return visit from Two Under VP of Sales and Marketing, Jack Curry. You guys know Two Under is our latest sponsor. Really excited about having them. As part of the show, it uh, came out of my desire to have them because I believe so much in their products. They make the best, most comfortable underwear and T-shirts that you're going to put on. Their underwear is so soft and so comfortable; it absolutely makes a difference in your day. Our good friend Mitch Lawrence turned me on to them uh, because they are sponsoring his show, and uh, I went online and and bought some of the product just to support Mitch. But I put it on and I thought these guys are fantastic. They are really onto something here. You know, I got to have them as part of this show as well, and. And uh they have come on as our our newest sponsor. And last month at the PGA Merchandise Show, they announced a new partnership with Ricky Fowler. And I'm just saying, Ricky couldn't get over the hump at the Waste Management, right, for several years. A lot of top fives mentioned that a moment ago. He signs on and puts on two under, boom, he wins. And I don't think that's a coincidence. So we'll talk about that and a whole lot more uh, when Jack joins me, like I say, about an hour from now. So a lot more great stories and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the T. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. But before we get started, I want to remind you about my aforementioned friend, Mitch Lawrence, and his podcast, Talking Golf Getaways. He and his co-host, Darren Bunch, let you know about great places to stay, play, and even eat and drink while you're there. Again, their show is called Talking Golf Getaways, and it's moved to a new site, Golf Trip X, and that's the letter X for experts. So uh, golftripx.com. Go there and check out their show and learn about some of the hidden gems, some of the wonderful courses that you have available to play around the country. His twin brother, Matthew, is also fantastic. You hear me bragging about Matthew all the time. His his uh, golf show is called Backspin Golf. It's on hiatus right now, but the show typically airs on WLXG ESPN Radio AM 1300 up in Lexington, Kentucky. It airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. You can go online to WLXG.com and stream the show as a podcast. So catch up on anything you missed last year, and you're going to love the show. It's so much fun to listen to because Matthew's fantastic. Again, it's online at WLXG.com or go on or uh, download the WLXG app. And, folks, as you know, we are sponsored by the French Slick Resort. Let's hear a word from our good friend Steve Rondonero about what they've got going on up there this winter. Play the course's champions play at French Lake Resort. Laura Davies won the 2018 Senior LPGA title on our Peak Dye course. Colin Montgomery won the Senior PGA title here in 2015. For an experience drenched in history, play our Donald Ross course, where Walter Hagen won the 1924 PGA Championship. It's never too early to plan that next buddy trip to play legendary golf at French Lick Resort, the Midwest's premier golf
1: destination.
2: Be sure to go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place they have up there and to book your stay as well. I also want to tell you about our good friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. Now, folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan irons since the 80s or the 90s, do yourself a favor and get a demo iron from either their Fort Worth PTX, or new edge irons, and go out on the range and compare it to whatever it is you have. All Ben Hogan irons and wedges are handcrafted one at a time in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. No mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can order custom-made irons, wedges, and hybrids by going online to BenHoganGolf.com, and they're going to build those clubs to your specifications and, best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. Check out their complete line of forged irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, bags, and accessories online at BenHoganGolf.com. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. Their early spring collection is out, and it looks fantastic. Plan ahead for spring and be among the first to sample their happy hour collection. I've got my eye on some of their great-looking new polos and sweaters. Can't wait to get some of those. See what I'm talking about by going online to
0: bobbyjones.com. All
2: right, now joining me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is CGA professional Keith Jarvis. Keith has been a teaching professional and a uh, playing career that spans 30 years now, and he's taught here in the U.S., plus over in Japan and Mexico. He was the lead instructor for ESPN's golf schools back in 2006 when Hank Haney was the dean of instruction there. He's taken lessons from Hank and attended his teach the teacher sessions. He hosted a golf school here in Atlanta with Andy Plummer and Mike Bennett, who are the founders of the Stack and Tilt Swing Methodology. He was a head golf pro and director of instruction at the Heritage Golf Club in Atlanta. He is now a Golf Channel Academy lead instructor up in New Jersey and also is a certified U.S. kids coach. And I'm very excited to have Keith with me as part of the show tonight. Hey, Keith, thanks for joining me.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Chris.
2: Keith, I always like to start when a guest joins me for the first time, kind of going all the way back to the beginning regarding the game of golf for you. When did you start playing golf and who was the first person to put a club in your hands?
0: So I started playing golf when I was 12 and it was my stepbrother and stepsister that took me for the very first time. I was always more into like skateboarding and surfing and stuff like that and um they took me out and that was it. I knew I knew I wanted to play and I wanted to get better. So when you when you got out on
2: golf, that's interesting, you know, a lot of times I hear it's a parent or a teacher or something like that. Stepbrother and
3: stepsister
2: so, were they already deeply entrenched in the game, or was it just something you would say, hey, let's go, let's go see what this golf thing is all about?
3: I don't think they were really
0: entrenched to it. It was just one of those things where you got out to the par three and, you know, played a few holes, and I'd never been before. So, um, it was great.
2: So, from there, you started to fall in love with the game. Did you, did you go take lessons at that point? How did you start to, uh, really get ingrained in the sport?
0: Um, Well, I didn't start out with lessons very much at the beginning. It was more just <laughs> digging it out of the dirt, so to speak. Um, My great-grandfather uh, brought me a set of clubs for my birthday. They were Northwesterns in a carry bag with a pull cart. I'll never forget it.
2: From there, when did you decide, you know what, golf is going to be your passion? You're going to go down the path of being a PGA professional and uh, really wanting to get ingrained and ultimately become a great teacher of the game.
0: Um, you know, I think it really started in high school because one of the high schools I went to was right across the co- uh, street from a golf course. And so I used to go over there and hit balls, um, a bunch. And I'm trying to remember the name of the guy, uh, that helped me. You know, when you're, you're in high school, you think everybody's old. Now I'm 54. Um, but it was an <laughs> older guy, and I believe he was like this long drive champion in that area. And, and now his name's coming to me. It was Tony Dominic. And, um, he was the very first pro that ever. He used to see me down at the end of the range, just hitting balls. He'd walk down there and he'd give me a few pointers here and there. And um, you know, by the time I was at, uh, at the end of my high school years, I was already starting to break par. So I kind of knew there was something there, but um, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do from there.
2: So who saw it in you? Was it him, or is there somebody else that really started to say to you, "You know what, Keith, you should really do this for a living"?
0: Um, you know, he used to always encourage me a lot because he could see that I had a swing. But, um, you know, I've had a lot of, a lot of people encourage me throughout the years. Um, mostly friends that I played with. And, you know, sometimes a friend would get better than you and you'd find out what he was doing. And you'd try to do that too to be able to compete. And, um, you know, I don't know. I can't think of anybody specifically that said, you know, you're going to do it. I think it was the first time I ever broke par. That's when I kind of knew that maybe I could do it. When did you do it? When was the first time you broke par? Um, I think I was still in high school. It was at Mountain Meadows Golf Course in California, and I shot a 71. Wow. And that's when I knew I could probably <laughs> shoot some pretty good scores. Keith, like I
2: mentioned in your intro, you have spent some time with Hank Haney. Talk about what it was like, uh you know under his tutelage and um, you know getting to work with, and then ultimately get some pointers as well from uh, from Hank.
0: Yeah, I took a lot of lessons from the time I was in um, high school uh, with one of his assistants, uh Tim kuzik out in out of p g a West, and a bunch of lessons from Hank afterwards in Dallas and um they were you know they were probably the best instructors I ever had at the time. Um, only really the only like world class instruction I ever had. Um, and you know, it was really great to have an opportunity to join the ESPN golf school because, um, Hank was the dean of instruction, and, um, you just learned so much from a guy like that. You know, a lot of people can disagree with the swing philosophy or whatever, but, you know, if there's one thing that I learned from Hank, he used to have these little quotes, and one of them was, um, people never care how much you know until they know how much you care. I've never forgotten that.
2: So, Keith, when you're first you know, starting to spend some time, whether it was with Tim Cusick, who you mentioned, or being around Hank, what did they have to say about your swing? Did they like your swing? Did they change everything? Did they just make a tweak here or there? What was it like when they
0: evaluated your swing? Um, you know, it seemed like it wasn't too much of a change. But um, you know, it's always harder when you're trying to do something different, even if it's, just, if it's just a little bit. It was always you always walked away feeling like you got better, and that's that's what I really loved about those guys. So was it all swing
2: mechanics, or were there other things about mental approach or how you uh, when you got out on the golf course, how you attack a golf course, or that sort of thing? What were some of the things that they taught you about? about the swing and about playing the game of golf?
0: Well, I would say that the thing that I probably learned the most back then was, you know, just how important it was to square the club face up. You know, Hank used to say, you can't go from being a slicer to a good golfer. You have to go from being a slicer to a hooker, and then you can be a good golfer.
2: So what are some of the things that you learned from Hank that you have incorporated into your own teaching methodology? Are there some things that you've taken from, you know, things you learned from Hank and some other instructors along the way and sort of meshed it into your methodology, or is there something in particular that, uh, that uh, you've taken from Hank?
0: Um, the biggest thing I would say um, is understanding the ball flight laws a little bit better, you know, from Hank, and um, Danny, the impact probably the most important thing you could teach anybody. I still have students today that come to me that have been playing for 10, 15 years, and most of them don't hit the ground, and they definitely don't hit the ground in the right spot, and um just focusing on that, you know, teaching them to take the divot in front of the ball um really opens their eyes and gets them excited about how good they can become, and for me, that's everything.
2: And Keith, like I say, you also spent some time, um, learning from, learning the stack and tilt sort of swing from Andy Plummer and Mike Bennett. Talk about how that compares. Is that very comparable to the thing, things that Hank teaches? How does stack and tilt, uh, you know, kind of sort of
0: measure up to what you learned from Hank? I mean, I think it, I think it's, uh, you know, it's pretty similar in a lot of ways. I think stack and tilt gets a lot of harsh feedback um, because people just don't understand. You know, they see a picture in a magazine of somebody saying it should feel like this, and then they, all of a sudden they get labeled as, you know, everybody's reverse pivoting and stuff. And Andy and Mike definitely don't um, advocate that at all. Um, I think, you know, the way it, it's funny because I kind of lost my swing for a while, and I hadn't seen um Hank or Tim in quite a while. And going through a lot of different instructors just trying to get my swing back, I uh, really struggled, and then I read the article that they did in Golf Magazine, and then I reached out to them to see if I could, you know, take some lessons and try to get back to work on my game. And I'll tell you what, what it really came down to is losing impact. They they said, look, this is the most important thing. You have to learn to be able to take a divot in front of the ball. I think on Mike and Andy's video, they have a picture of Mike hitting the ground 17 times in front of a line in a row. And Andy asked him, so, you know, if you're going to hit, you know, a dozen swings, how many of them would you say would be in front of that line? And he said, all of them. And he said, how many would be behind the line? He said, none. And I think if you can teach players um how easy it is to actually learn to do that, it's a little frustrating at the beginning, but it's an eye-opener. I mean, it's it's changed my game. It's changed the way I teach, and it's changed, you know, it's just, it's been amazing. Funny because I get so many people that come and say, well, you know, I'm trying to teach them to hit the ground the right spot, and they say, well, what about my grip? What about my plane? What about this? I'm like, when we look at the best players in the world, nobody holds it the same. Nobody stands the same. Nobody has the same alignment. Some guys are closed, Some guys are a little open. Some are square. So if you're looking at the things that we always thought were the fundamentals, that nobody gets better in 30 years, as far as their handicaps are concerned, you know, what really makes the difference? It's got to be ball striking, I mean, in my mind. So, you know, I say, look, With the grip, do we need to adjust your grip? I don't know. Hank used to say never adjust grips in golf school. You might only have one day to work with that person. And if you adjust their grip right out of the box, they're dead for the whole day. So you just got to, you know, work with what you have and, you know, try to adjust the ball flight. And if the ball flight is a result of the grip they have, then maybe you might try to tweak it a little bit. But I always try to take what they have and teach them to hit the ground in the right spot before I do any kind of tweaking with their grip or their stance or whatever. You you just hear so many stories out there. I don't know if this is true, but I heard that Harvey Penick used to get his pros lined up and say, okay, there's your target, and they'd just start hitting balls till they got to the target, and then he'd set a club down on their heels so they could see what their alignment had to be for them to hit the target. I mean, every we're all different. You know, we have to figure it out. And, Keith, for for our listeners
2: who've heard of stack and tilt but may not be exactly sure what it is, talk about what that swing methodology is.
0: Well, what I would say is that um, it's uh, learning to hit the ground in the right spot so you can compress the ball, um, learning to hit it far enough to play the course in a reasonable amount of strokes, and then learning to control the curve. You can't be hitting big curve balls out there getting you in trouble. I mean, in a nutshell, that's kind of what it comes down to me in my, you know, in simplest form.
2: And, Keith, I I want to get a couple of playing lessons from you because being up in New Jersey, I imagine not a lot of golf is being played right now. So what are some (laughs) drills that you give your students to do, you know, sort of over the winter when you can't play to keep, you know, keep their golf swings going and making sure we don't get too rusty over the winter?
0: Yeah, I'd say. You know, get a mat, put a towel on the ground, and keep trying to hit the towel as many times as you can um, in a row, right? So, um, Mike and Andy would say you got to be able to do this a hundred times out of a hundred to ever be any good. And if you think about that, if you can't break a hundred, if you could hit the, you could compress the ball and hit the way you're supposed to, uh, maybe not a hundred times better, but maybe that's your goal. I, I definitely don't see you staying above a hundred too long when you start hitting better shots. Um, so that's a good one. Just a towel drill, learning to hit the ground in the right spot. Um, you know, I like swinging with a towel under both arms just to keep my arms connected to my body. I think that's a good one. I think, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of visualization, you know, imagine your, one thing I, I really grind on everybody about is looking more at the target and less at the ball. If your brain doesn't know where you're trying to hit the ball, then it just loads the random hit golf ball pattern. And so there's not because there's not a target out there, you just kind of take what you get, you know. But to see people on track, man, hitting a bunch of laps, and I say, well, where's your target? And they just go down the middle, and then what I'll do is I'll film them, right? I'll just, from the time they, like, I'll make them stand behind the ball, and I'll just film them. And they never look out at any target, even though they might be hitting it into a net because it's cold here. Um, there's still no target. And they don't know why they're hitting it left, so they have to understand what makes the ball go left, you know, initially, and um, you know how to get that face to point another direction, to stop hitting it left, and target fastest way that I've found to be able to do that.
2: So, to that end, Keith, you talk about how you can't hit big curveballs. For those of us that are struggling with that, for those of us struggling with the big slice, whether it's a banana slice or or the push slice. What is something that we can focus on and take to the range that's going to help us straighten that ball flight
0: out? So the first thing I would say is if you're a slicer, I would be willing to bet my life that your path is probably a little to the left. Um, I hate saying outside in because, um, you know, everybody says things different, but I'd just say your path is a little to the left. So what I'd want to know is where you're, where is your ball starting? Is it starting left in slicing? Is it starting straight in slicing? Or is it starting out to the right and slicing more? Right. So in general, you know, if you didn't want to take the time to learn to draw, the very first thing I would say to you is just try to start hitting, closing the face more. So you hit it down the left side more so that the path in the face, you know, there was a smaller differentiator between the numbers so that it wouldn't curve as much. I mean, when I, when I start getting people to hit the ball solid, then the next thing I look at is what is their path? What's their natural path? If their path to the left, I just turn them into cutters. If they're passed to the right, I turn them into drawers. Look, if you don't have the time to invest to change your um, left path to a right path so you can draw the ball, I can make you a heck of a lot better faster if you just stay with your natural swing and turn you into a cutter. You're going to be hitting it so solid, it's going to go just as far, if not further, than you've ever hit hit it in a while anyway.
2: Keith, one more before we let you go. And as I mentioned, you're a top U.S. kids coach. What are you doing with your kids as a coach to to keep them enjoying the game and coming back and wanting to continue to play and get better? How do you keep them engaged?
0: Um, Number one, I limit my lesson time with them to half hours. So um, that kind of helps a little bit. But you've got to play a lot of games with them. And then you've got to be aware. You know, some days you, they walk in, you can tell they don't feel good. They don't want to really engage. And so I'll do a beat the pro or something or... We'll have a big cutting game, and I'll say, okay, you can make up any hole you want in our facility, and we're, we're going to see who gets the lowest score. So you, you make the first hole, you make the second hole, I'll make the third hole, and we'll see who wins. You know, so I just try to do stuff like that, just keep it keep it going, keep it exciting. Um, different things like um, the girls from Vision 54 do. Um, I have their little card game. I play that card game with them all the time. Every every time I play the card game with kids, they say. As soon as they come in they say, Can we play the card game today? I mean, they love it. It's just great. And it's different things, like you pick a trajectory, you pick a club, you pick your um play box, which could be you flip it over and say, imagine your your swing path as a glittering wheel spinning around, right? So that's your play box thing to get in there without thinking about mechanics. And then you might have a six iron and then it might say left foot only with your right hand only <laughs> you know? And it just challenges them to be creative and you know, makes it fun. U.S. Kids Golf, has, you know, they have a lot of games, too, that they teach all of us at the beginning. they got the tic-tac-toe game, so you stripe out a little tic-tac-toe with some tape on the ground and you get them to play different putting games like that. Um, there's a lot, so many resources out there. But, you know, I'm a Titleist Performance Institute junior coach, and, um, you know, the number one thing that I learned from them is that the number one thing kids want to do when they do a sport is they want it to be fun. If it's not fun for them, they won't stay engaged.
2: Well, Keith, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media?
0: Um, the best way probably, well, I guess I, I guess, uh, Golf Channel Academy is still going to be working on my new site pretty soon, but you can find me on there, under instructors in New Jersey. Um, my Twitter is Keith Jarvis Golf and my Instagram is Keith Jarvis Golf. So those are always the best well, Keith, it certainly engage.
2: has It certainly has been fun having you as part of the show. I hope you'll come back and do it again sometime because uh, you got a lot of great lessons and you're doing a lot of great things. We'd sure, certainly love to have you
0: continue to be a part of this show. I lo- I'd love to, and thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Take care, Keith. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up again soon. All right, Chris. Same Do you think.
2: Take care, Keith. That is Keith Jarvis, and uh, a lot of
0: great stuff up there
2: in New Jersey. If you happen to be up in the New Jersey area, go check him out. Find him online with uh, the Golf Channel, like you go on Golf Academy, and you're going to find a lot of good things from Keith, and and follow him on Twitter as well. really look forward to having him back on the show. A lot of fun having him here tonight. Before I get to my next guest, Chris Chaya, I want to remind you about our friends over at Super Speed Golf. Now used by over half of the tour players around the world, Super Speed Golf is the fastest and most effective way to increase your swing speed. Three eight-minute training sessions per week are all you need to see a 5% gain in that swing speed. And they've got sets for golfers of all ages and also one year of included video instruction as well. Super Speed Golf offers a complete solution that's going to help you start bombing it off the tee. Visit them online at superspeedgolf.com to pick up your set today. And, folks, Well, TaylorMade has done it again. The all-new TaylorMade M5 and M6 drivers have arrived, and what a story. They both feature speed-injected twist face, created through a revolutionary manufacturing process where every single head, yes, every single head, is injected and calibrated to the threshold of the legal limit. Basically, every head is made tour spicy, speed for all, and now it's available. You can check it out online by going to TaylorMadeGolf.com. That's, again, TaylorMadeGolf.com. All right. Now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is my good friend, Chris Chaya. Let me remind you about Chris's background. He's from Greenwich, Connecticut, played his college golf at East Carolina University and earned his degree in marketing. He's been a PGA <coughs> uh, golf instructor for the last 26 years at Boca West Country Club in Boca Raton, Florida. He has been named the 2010 PGA Teacher of the Year for the South Florida section and named the Southeast Florida PGA Teacher of the Year as well. Chris has coached players on the PGA Tour, the Web.com Tour, the Canadian Tour, and the LPGA Tour as well. Additionally, many of his juniors are now playing college golf. He has been a swing fix, swing fix instructor and contributor doing videos, analysis, and writing articles for the Golf Channel, and I am very honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Chris, thanks for coming back on the show.
1: Hey, good evening, Chris. Thank you for the invite again. It's great to be on your show
2: so it, it's been a minute, my friend since we've uh, got to spend some time with you. Catch us up. What's been going on with you over the last several months?
1: Well I tell you what i've been I've been super busy just teaching every day at Boca West and Boca Raton and uh we've only had a couple of rainouts so it's uh it's been a great season so far. We're seeing a lot of new faces and a lot of uh People returning uh, to Boca West, and it's been uh, it's been great. It's very exciting, and uh, I'm just staying super busy and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, this a great 2019. It's a, and uh, we're real excited for this upcoming season.
2: And Chris, talking about Boca West, right? I mean, it, it's a beautiful looking place, and I, I've certainly looked, looked
0: at it
1: online.
2: Yeah, for our listeners who are who aren't familiar with it, tell them all about
1: it. Well, it's located in Palm Beach County and uh, Palm Beach County is a real golf mecca. It's just, uh, it's an amazing place for golf and, and, and a lot of other things. And, uh, you know, Boca West has four unbelievable golf courses. It's, a, it's the number one equity club in Florida and, and it's rated now a platinum club. Uh, it's number 15 uh, worldwide as far as, um, golf clubs. So we're very proud of that and it's, uh, It's a super nice place. Anybody that's in the area or may come down to South Florida, please uh, give me a call at Boca West. We'd love to have you come out and play some golf, uh, take a lesson, and uh, check the place out. It's really uh, something special.
2: And, Chris, I want to get some tips from you tonight, and I want to start by the the video that you shared with me a little bit earlier today regarding
1: pre-shot routine.
2: Talk about your routine and how, A, how can we develop one of our own and why it's important to have one.
1: Well, I, th- I think the pre-shot routine is, is often overlooked. And I think to, uh, to play your best golf, you really need to work on a pre-shot routine and, and become more consistent on your approach to every shot you hit. What's saying about, you know, visualizing the shot and looking more at the target when you're practicing and training and when you get on the golf course, I'm a big believer in that. And the video you're referencing is a, is a video that we produced and sent out to our club members and then it, it finds its way onto social media and, uh, it, it's a great way to share short instructional tips with our membership and, and, and then share it with uh, the social media platform. And I learned in college when I was playing for East Carolina, uh, that was one of the things that I picked up is, a, is developing a pre-shot routine. And one of the reasons I, I really uh, started working on my pre-shot was t- routine was just to become a faster player because, uh, unfortunately, I was known as a slow player. And, and when that was brought to my attention by my peers, I, I figured, okay, I need to develop a routine that would uh, get me to hit the, hit the shots consistently at the same elapsed time. And I found I started playing better golf when I, when I started really focusing on that routine. So in my routine typically starts with uh, – you know, obviously surveying the shot or, or what's in front of me, looking down the target line, but down to where I, uh, when I, when it's go time, when it's time to hit the shot, I take four steps to the ball. I look twice at my target. And then that's after the second look at the target, that becomes the swing trigger for me. And I start my swing right from there. And it takes about 13 seconds for me to go through the routine. So I'm well within the, you know, a lot of time in tournament play, 40 seconds to hit a shot. But the key was really to, to do two things, become more consistent, but also to pick up the pace of play.
2: Chris, I want to talk about some other stroke savers that we can do. What is something that most, most of us amateurs don't do and we're throwing away strokes because we're not doing it? What are some of those stroke savers that you've noticed amongst your, your students over the years that you think, boy, you know, we, we got to get this word out a little bit more. We need our amateurs doing more of this and less of that.
1: Well, that's a a super uh, question, Chris. The number one thing, without a doubt, is uh, to control the pace of your putts. You know, from 10 feet away, on average, a professional player um, is going to make 40% of their 10-footers. From there, when we move outside of that range, if we're only making 40% from 10 feet, let's say we're 20 or 30 feet away, the, the percentages go way down. So an amateur golfer over time to learn how to putt more like a pro, but number one, they have to learn how to control the pace. So when they're outside of a a 10-foot range, let's just say, they need to just be trying to get down in two and just work on speed control. To control your speed as a golfer when you putt, one of the first things you have to learn is how to hit the ball on the sweet spot consistently on your putter. So that when I'm working with students on on distance control through their lesson program, it, it will come up as far as the putter, the equipment they're using, because we really need to hit the ball on the sweet spot consistently to then learn how to c- control the pace of the putt. So number one is for amateur golfers to work on your distance control of your putting and learn how to roll the ball just getting it close to the hole so you can reduce the three putts. Myself and other professional players, when we're, let's say, 30 feet or closer, Uh, it's rare that we're going to three-putt. When I look at amateur golfers from the same distance, they're three-putting all the time from 20, 30 feet. So right away, that's a score builder that we can easily correct with the proper training.
2: And Chris, to that point, is, is there a drill or something that you do to help you make sure you're hitting it on the sweet spot of the putter every time?
1: Well, a couple of things I do. Number one, it's very simple. I take a uh, either I take a range ball with a stripe on it, or I take um, one of the pro v's out of my bag, and I and I put a line on it, or or put a line where the logo is. And I when I hit the putt exactly on the sweet spot and hit the ball uh, squarely, the ball will roll on the seam of the of the ball of the stripe. So if you imagine a range ball, if you put it on the ground so the stripe is is pointing right down the target line and the putt's relatively flat. When you stroke the putt, let's say you start at six feet or eight feet, when you hit it squarely, the ball will roll like a wheel, like a tire, right on that seam, and then you know you're hitting it square. If you hit it off-center or the face angle's off a little bit the ball, you'll immediately see that there's a little side rotation on the ball. So that's one good growth. Another one that I, I like to do is I actually videotape my putting stroke with the, with the camera very low so I can actually see and do a slow-mo and watch how my putter is hitting the ball and that gives me a real good visualization and also very good feedback as to whether or not I'm in a sweet spot or not.
2: And, Chris, if, if uh, someone like me came to you and said, hey, I, I want to break 80, I'm dedicated to breaking 80, how would you help me break 80?
1: Well, the first thing I would do, uh, once you brought that to my attention and watched you on the range, is I would uh, introduce the uh, playing lesson to you I would uh, take you out on the golf course and actually watch how you play on the golf course or I'd either play with you or just watch how you play the course and just see what I notice. And I'm a big believer in the on-course instruction. I just finished an article for PGA Magazine that'll be coming out in March. I hope everybody can check that out. Um, And and I talk about that as far as how I work with uh, golfers and, and, and introduce the playing lesson as part of the lesson program. When golfers have that as a goal, in your case, if that's your goal to, to break that barrier, I have to see what you're doing on the golf course to help you identify the areas that need the most work.
2: And to that end, Chris, and that's something that we have started talking about a little bit more on this show. There is a very big difference between practicing your swing on the practice range and then actually playing the game of golf. So when you're out watching right. your students play, play, you know, uh, on the course, what are the things that you're looking for? Are you looking for, you know, how I'm attacking the golf course, if I'm able to hit the ball on the right side of the fairways and give myself the correct angles? How are you assessing whether I'm actually, you know, good at playing the game?
1: Well, I would like to have golfers, when I'm going to the golf course, limit their shots to one ball. I'd like to see them hit one ball tee to green and not get in the habit of just immediately reloading another ball. I want to see how they handle different situations and see, just firsthand, what their game is really like, and um, when I get an opportunity to, to play with with uh, my students over a period of time, that, that's very, very helpful. Or well, for the tournament players that I coach, watching them actually in tournament play and making notes from what I observe uh, while they're uh, that's very helpful as well. But um, again, at Boca West, we have four just super, super golf courses in perfect shape and the greens are rolling at 11, 12 on a daily basis, and everything is just beautiful. Uh, I'd love to take uh, students on the golf course and watch and and, and to see how they're doing and, and really get them comfortable with the on-course instruction, and, and that's very, very helpful.
0: And Chris, you,
2: you talked about the pre-shot routine a moment ago. But before you start your round of golf, is there a warm-up routine that you go through? How should we be getting prepared for our rounds of golf?
1: Well, I, I saw a video uh, recently about Tiger Woods' pre-shot, or his, excuse me, his uh, pre-round ritual, and they, and they went over the, how many shots he hit, with what, what clubs, and how many putts he took, and so on and so on. And it was, I believe it was 147 total swings that he made in his pre-shot, you know, his pre-round warm-up. And of those shots, 80% were from 100 yards or closer. So he was hitting a lot of putts, a lot of chips, a lot of pitches, you know, less than full shots. And that was his, you know, consistent routine that he would do before a tournament play. So when you think of the best player that played the game and that's how they warm up, that's a good model right there. And I, and I learned early in my career as a collegiate player and as a professional player, I would observe what some of the other players were doing. You know, when I was, uh, let's say, at a tournament, if I saw somebody who uh, I thought really knew what was going on and I'd watch how they would warm up, I often noticed that other professional players were starting off with uh, a lot of short swings. So I incorporated that into my pre-round ritual where I would uh, go to the, to the range first, but when I hit the driving range after doing some stretching, I would start off and just chip and pitch the ball from the practice I wouldn't take full swings. Um, now that I'm a little bit older, I sometimes start off and take fuller swings at you know, less than full speed just to stretch out a little more, but golfers can really benefit from just getting the feel of the short shots, maybe even starting off and do some putting for a few minutes before they do the chipping and pitching. Uh, but it's very, very important just to get the feel, the feel in your hand, just the, the feel of the club, and, and work it from there. And, and don't just hit, you know, full shots with drivers in your warm-up, um, but, you know, to see, to see Tiger's routine where he hit, you know, a, a, the overwhelming majority of his shots were, were less than full swings and certainly a lot of putts and chips, that, that really kind of is an eye-opener for most players.
2: You mentioned, you know, uh, stretching out a moment ago. Are there some stretches that you do before you do any of that to kind of loosen up your muscles?
1: Well, I do uh stretch I like to stretch out my my forearms and wrists and shoulders uh first. Uh so I make sure uh I take some time to to stretch out those areas and then I'm a big believer in uh hamstring stretching, uh, for a good posture and hip flexor stretches. So I kinda hit those areas, the the hamstrings, the hip flexors and uh the wrists and uh, I had a shoulder injury a few years ago so I'm always aware of that just to to make sure you know I warm up the upper body as well Chris a couple more
2: before we let you go and and you mentioned the short game and there's uh that's an area that a lot of us amateurs lose strokes around the green so I want to talk about chipping for a moment talk about ball position setup how should we be uh positioning our bodies and our setups so that uh we are hitting good crisp chip shots and we're getting the
1: ball as close to the hole as possible well, one of the things I like to teach golfers is to try to keep the ball as low to the ground as you possibly can for the short game shots. So if, I, if I'm looking at a situation around the green and I think I can keep the ball really low, you know, I'm either going to putt it or I'm going to take, a, you know, a 7-8 iron and just keep the ball flight low so I don't have to manipulate the club quite so much. Now, if someone gave me, you know, if I took out my lob wedge and someone said, you know, hit the lob wedge as low as you hit a 7-iron, well, I could do that. But that requires moving the ball back in the stance, creating a lot of shaft lean, and kind of manipulating the, the the club itself to to send the ball at a lower trajectory. Now, to keep it simple, if I took a less lofted club, you know, a five iron, a six iron, a seven iron, and did a, a simple one lever type chipping action, I can keep the ball very low to the ground without having to really manipulate uh, the club quite so much. So. You know, one of the, the, the ideas I always try to stress to students is you try to take not only the simplest shot, but you try to keep the ball as low to the ground as you can to control the distance and the direction. You know, take the air out of the shot. Don't throw it up in the air unless you have to. So that's a very good tip for, for the amateurs out there listening in or the, the, the professional players that, you know, sometimes just grab a, a sandwich and try to put some loft on the shot. Well, just remind yourself to take take the lower shot and keep it as simple as you can, and you'll you'll get the ball much closer to the pin. Now, let's talk let's talk a little bit about the rule changes. <clears throat> the uh, what are your thoughts on, on uh, some of these rule changes we're seeing?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's been a hot topic, and um, I, I tell you, there there are a couple things. One, I, I'm always uh, entertained by guys with the new drop roll coming from the knee on how they're mm-hmm. contorting their bodies to get the to get the drop from the from knee height. i I, I still don't understand mm-hmm. why we needed to go away from dropping it at shoulder height down to the knee height. And then with mm-hmm. the uh, with the flagstick rule, putting with the flag stick in, I'm struggling a little bit with that, Chris. I mean, I know that uh, you know hey I'm, I'm I keep the flag stick in. I, when I'm chipping from off the green and and it's certainly helpful if if you might get a little bit too much speed on the ball that sort of thing can slow it down knock it down keep yourself close to the hole um mm-hmm. I, I don't understand why you would keep the flag stick in on a 20 foot putt unless you're at Augusta National or Oakmont and and it's rolling 14 on the stimp and it's a straight downhiller right. yeah I get it outside of that I'm I'm
1: sort of struggling with it what are your thoughts well, I have a few. I, I think there's a high probability. My guess is going to be they're going to switch that rule back for professional play. I think it's a definite advantage to leave the stick in. So the flag sticks in and you're on the green and you're using that to your advantage. I think that's taking a little bit of the skill out of it. So I'd like to see, you know, if if, if I were in charge, I, I'd, I'd go back to the way we had it before and not allow players to leave the stick in. Because it's such an advantage to have it in, if, let's say for a pro golfer, you know, when I hit a putt too hard, it's usually a long putt. So if I hit a, you know, 80 footer with too much pace and it wraps into the stick and deflects off, you know, two or three feet from the hole, well, in that case, that flag stick helped me because I'm going to two putt. If the flag stick were out and I hit it with that much pace, maybe I would go 10 or 12 feet by the hole. Maybe I'm going to miss the comebacker because again, as a professional player, I'm only going to make 40% from 10 feet. So right there, it's kind of the proof that the flag stick's an advantage. So my feeling is that in, in professional golf, we should be playing by different rules than the amateurs play, just the same as in other sports. uh You know, a high school football might have different rules than the NFL. You know, the NBA is playing by a different three-point line than that they than they do in high school. So why would professional golfers play by the same rules as amateur golfers? So I think this should be some talk to have the the PGA Tour and the PGA. Look at the rules for the professionals and, and, and make them different than what the amateurs are playing. So I just think at the club level, if it's an advantage, you know, to anchor your putter, let the club player do that. If, if, if it's an advantage for the flag stick to be in and it speeds up play for, for the amateur player, let them do that. But for professionals, I think, I don't think it's going to take long for them to revert, to switch that rule back. And, and as far as some of the other ones, as far as the dropping and, and touching the sand and things like that, again, I think, There should be some talk about having the rules a little different for professional play than amateur play.
2: Interesting. You're you're one of the first people to come on and talk about uh, the desire for bifurcation. I think there is there's a lot of room for bifurcation, whether it's the rules, whether it's the equipment. You mentioned, you know, the different Mm -hmm. three point lines, you know, in in high school, college, and and at the NBA level. We know that they use different bats. They use different bats in in little league and high school and college ball than they do at the major league level. So the idea mm-hmm. that uh, the PGA Tour could not do bifurcation for equipment is clearly all mm-hmm. based on the manufacturers and not because it's, not, right. it's unprecedented in sports. So, right. yeah, I find that a, a very interesting uh, topic to discuss.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, and when when they, you know, like let's look at the Masters, for example. You know, I'll be very surprised if they allow the pros to leave the flagstick thin at, at Augusta. I, I don't think they're going to do it. I think there's going to be a local rule and they're going to have to take the flag stick out. That's my feeling. But, um, yeah, I think think there should be some talk about that. I mean, I I don't, I mean, if it's within the rules and and I can leave the stick in, I'm leaving it in on every putt because I I do think it's an advantage. And especially like what we've known when you're off the green, it's an advantage to leave it in. So when you're on the green, it definitely is an advantage. And I find it's a little easier to aim at the stick anyway than when there's no stick there. But, um, you know, I would encourage the amateurs, as long as it's within the rules, to leave the stick in. Um, cause it can help for sure.
2: Chris, before we let you go, remind our listeners, how can they stay up to date with all the things you're doing, whether it's following you online or it's on
1: social media? Well, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, they can find me, um, you know, on the PGA sites and to stay current with, uh, you know, what I'm up to, just, uh, you know, look me up online. Uh, give me a call at Boca West. I'm, I'm there year round. Um, the, uh, that's probably the best way to contact me. Just, you know, Go on, uh, contact me at Boca West or through, uh, my website, uh, ChristianChaya.com. They Then contact me directly there or I can be reached at, uh, 833 PGA Golf. Uh, that's a line that, that can connect, uh, listeners with me. But, uh, definitely please, when you're down in Florida or you want to make a trip, uh, feel, feel free to contact me. I'd love to have, to work with you. And, uh, uh, that, that's the, the best way to, to, to contact me through there.
2: Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming back and being a part of the show again tonight. Always good to spend some time with you. Look forward to the next time that uh, you'll come back. I hope that's real
1: soon. Anytime. It's my pleasure and uh, all the best this year to you. And uh, and your show is great. I enjoy listening to it. And, again, thank you. Uh, It's been an honor to be on your show. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I appreciate you, Chris. Take care. All the best to you and your family, my friend.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: That's a great Christian Chaya. So Chris Chaya, C-Z-A-J-A is Chaya. Go look him up online. You can also find him on social media. Always a good time talking to Chris. A lot of great playing lessons there. And uh, looking forward to having him back on the show again real soon. All right, I've got my next guest, Tom Patry, hanging on the line. going to get to Tom on the other side of this message because this segment of the show is brought to you by our friends at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and
1: more of the show.
2: And now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is one of the top instructors anywhere on the planet and a guy who's become a really wonderful friend of the show. He's going to be joining me a couple of times a month going forward this year, which is very exciting, and that is Mr. Tom Patry. Tom was a Division Two National Champion and an All-American at Florida Southern, been named Teacher of the Year just about everywhere he has been. Golf Magazine has named him a Top 100 Teacher every year since 2000, Golf Tips Magazine has named Tom one of their top 25 instructors in America for the 2019-2020 season. Adding Tom and his instruction is the reason why I became a subscriber to Golf Tips magazine. Tom has worked with guys like Fred Couples and Seve Ballesteros, and I'm extremely honored he is back with me again tonight and going to be back with me on many nights here in 2019. Hey, TP, thanks for coming back on the show.
3: Chris, how the heck are you, pal? Nice to hear from you, pal. (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, same here, my friend. How are you? And you got you have a, some exciting news that you've thrown out there this week. Let hey, us know what it is.
3: Unbe- well, well, I've, somebody has scooped me up and and taken me out of the gutter, Chris. They're going to have me to a club up in Indiana this summer. I'm going to the Hawthorne's Golf and Country Club in Fishers, Indiana, just a little bit, just a fraction north of Indianapolis. I've uh, I've become a Midwesterner, Chris. I, I've uh, I've been recruited to the Midwest. <laughs> Yes, you have, and, and I'm not, uh, I'm, it's pretty I'm not exciting sure. news. I'm not, sure. I'm not sure if the Midwest is ready for me or I'm ready for the Midwest, but I'm
2: going <laughs> to
3: give it a spin.
2: <laughs> Indeed. I'm sure they're not ready for Tom Patrick, but it's great oh, that you're going to be adding man. a little spice to the Midwest.
3: Yeah, I'm excited. No, it's, <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, I'm joining a, a, an old and dear friend of mine, Tommy Moore. He's the director of golf, the PGA director of golf at Hawthorne's, and he's a wonderful guy. Just uh, we've known each other for a long time, and uh, we uh, we sat down at the PGA show, and uh, Tommy told me he had the best steaks in the Midwest and and uh, and the best barbecue <laughs> in the Midwest, and and that, that was good enough for me, and and uh, I'm excited to be with him. He's a wonderful golf professional. Uh, it's a real honor, truthfully, to be part of his staff. Uh, it, you know, from everything I've heard about the club, it's, it's just a fantastic place. It's just a wonderful part of the state. Um, I will not, you know, I'm going to get out of trouble here. I will not root for the Colts. I will not root for the Pacers. <laughs> so I'm going to get, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble there. But, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm, you know, loyal to my Yankees and my, and my Giants and, 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 and painfully and so painfully to my Knicks. But, uh, but it, you know it's a great metric for college basketball and, and college football. So I'm, I'm hoping to pull in a an ND game in the fall and, and maybe maybe an IU game you know, while I'm up there. So a lot of great things and, and just exciting to be part of a new venture there.
2: So when can our friends up in the uh, Indianapolis area start looking forward to having you be uh, be a part of uh, Hawthorne Country Club?
3: So that, that, that's 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 a great question because I'm actually gonna. I'm going, to, I'm going to land there to start on May 6th, May 7th, and May 6th is May 7th. I think May 7th is a Tuesday. So May 7th, I think I start teaching. And I do have the ability there on a case availability basis to teach non-members as well. So I'd like every person in the Midwest who's listening to sign up for a lesson in May because I want to be busy right out of the box. Chicago's not far away, so you guys from Chicago come south and and uh, you guys in Louisville and, and, and uh, Lexington can come north, um, but the, yeah, so I can teach some non-members as well. So I'm excited about that. But May 7th will be the start date. I'm pretty sure it's a Tuesday. I am going up there on. Uh, I'm excited about this as well, because I'm going to go up there on May 8. Oh, no, excuse me, on April 18th, and uh, do a presentation to the membership. Uh, a little, you know, a little meet and greet. So that should be fun too.
2: So Tom. When, when I think about, um, your instruction and the great things that, uh, the folks in that area get to look forward to, um, talk about, you know, some of the things that, uh, when, when a member gets the opportunity to do that meet and greet, some of the things that you want to talk about, some things that you want them to know about you and to know about your instruction style.
3: Well, that, that's a great question, Christian. You know, I, I, I'm, this is, uh, this is year 39 for me coming up, uh, and, uh, I just crossed the 60,000 lesson threshold. So, wow. I've, I've been doing this. This is not my first rodeo. So, I. The, the more I teach, Chris, the more I, especially with the club member, the recreational player who wants to get better. I mean, most people who come to my team, one of the things that they hear from me is on two things I'm a teacher and a coach. And they're very different skill sets. By teaching, is my X's and O's. You know, I'm a fundamentalist. I'm, I'm an old school guy. I believe in a great setup. You know, great ball position, great, great way to put your hands on the club, great way to aim and align your body to the target. You know, do you do those things? Well, is your launching pad in order? And then do we start the golf club in a reasonable manner? You know, do we get the club behind us and, and load it onto our right side? We stay behind the golf ball. What kind of motion do we make through the golf ball? Do we rotate? Do we slide? You know, is the club on plane? Is the club off plane? What's the face condition? Do we check all those fundamental things out in that first session together? Do we, you know, kind of put our house in order, if you will? Um, and, then, and then after that, I take my teaching hat off and I become a coach. And I ask them things like, you know, how often do they play? How often do they practice? And usually when I say the practice word, they all cringe, you know. So I kind of line my, I line my little soldiers up in a row and say, listen, if we're going to work together and we're going to be successful... And, and, and you're going to be a reflection of my ability to teach and coach at this facility. You can't let me down. I need to see you on the practice team putting some work in on the things we've worked at to make this useful and, and and successful. So I kind of map out a game plan, if you will, for these people about the schedule. I I want to know, you know, you know, how, you know, listen, they all have families. They all have jobs. They all have other responsibilities. This is a recreational endeavor. But how much time are you willing to put into this? Is The bottom line for us at the end of the day is, you know, if you want to get better, the the number one question I ask them is, listen, how bad do you want that? It all comes down to how bad do you want it. I'll take care. I promise them. I'll take care of your X's and O's. Okay? I'll teach and coach you at a very high level. But the bottom line is, how bad do you really want this?
2: To that end, Tom. Like, if, if I, uh, and I was just talking about this with Chris Chaya, but if I came to you and said, Hey, Tom, I, I want to break 80. I'm a, I'm a 12 handicap. I'm, I'm a guy that goes out there and consistently shoots somewhere around 85. This year, my goal is to break 80. How can you help me break 80? What are the things that I well, got to you know, do to break
0: 80?
3: Well, Chris, I, I think if the guy's a reasonable athlete and he's got some discernible Time that he can put into this thing, you're only asking me to, to knock five shots off your game, basically. So, yeah. I mean, let's work from the whole Let's work from the hole backwards. And I'm going to ask you a question, Chris. In your average round of golf, when you shoot 85, average round of golf, not your best round, not your worst round, how many times do you three putt in a round of golf, on average?
0: Probably.
2: Okay. Uh, probably three or four times.
3: Okay, so we'll we'll, we'll use the low number and we'll say three. Okay. I ask you a second question. During your round of golf in 85, when you're anywhere 30 yards or closer to the green, so you have a 30-yard pitch shot, a bunker shot, a bump and run shot, and a round of golf, and you have that 30-yard shot, how many times you hit that dreaded skull or fat shot where you lay the sod over it, and you don't get that 30-yard shot on the green? How many times does that happen in a round of golf?
2: And that's probably happened twice.
3: Okay, so we just picked up five shots. If we can if we can two putt, okay, now let me ask you a question about about putting, Chris. If you to be a good putter, do you have to be strong? No. You have to be fast. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound.
2: <laughs> Would be helpful, but no.
3: No. So if you don't have to be strong and you don't have to be fast. And you have to you can't you don't have to leap tall buildings at a single bound. And the putting stroke is far less complicated than the full swing. It's actually a very simplistic motion. What is the number one reason, Chris, why you don't putt as well, the number one reason why you don't putt as well as Tiger Woods?
0: I would say it is pace.
3: Wrong answer, Chris. Time. How many putts do you think Uh, you're behind on the practice screen behind Tiger Woods?
2: Oh, well, yeah. Significant
3: about about twenty million or so <laughs> so right so if I can get you on the green, which leads to the which leads to your answer, which is pace, if I can get you on the green two more hours a week, an hour more a week, be a hundred more lag cuts a week, okay. Is that going to change your ability yeah. to control the speed? I would, I would think so. Okay? Absolutely. So we can probably, yes. we can probably change those three putts. If we can take those three three putts off the card, okay. Number one, take those three three putts off the card, and then from ten feet in, we can do some skill drills, and we can pick up just one or two more hold five footers. Three three putts off the card, one or two more five footers around the golf, and then we can go out at thirty yards if you're somewhat athletic, and I think you are, we can take those three pitch shots around that are getting away from you because of some sort of technique flaw. So we can get to pitch the ball, not like Seve Ballesteros, just pitch the ball on the green and not lay the sod over it, okay? Three three-putts, two more five-footers is five, and those three wedge shots is eight. What's 85 less eight, Chris? It's uh, 77 right. We, we just we just we just changed your golf game. Because we did things from thirty right. yards in better. I, tonight tonight when I was giving my last lesson at Esplanade in Naples, Florida, I was on the putting ring with a gentleman having this exact same discussion and we're on the putting ring and we're the only people on the putting ring. The only people on the putting ring, him and I and we turned around and looked at the range. I said, How many people do you count on the range right now? He said, Well there are there are fourteen people on the range. Fourteen I said, Yeah? How many people on the putting ring with us? He said, None. I said There's your answer right there. There's your answer. America does not understand. America does not understand how to change the bottom line the fastest. And i tell you one thing, Chris. The people in Fisher, Indiana, are going to understand how to change the bottom line by May 30th this year.
2: There you go. Here he comes, Midwest. He's going to make you... Look at your short game, make you look at your putting. That's the thing I love about UTV. It's that 30 yards in, it's the putting green. Oh. It's all about the short game because that is where we're going to save most of our strokes. But for whatever reason, and uh, I know what a big baseball fan you are, you know, chicks dig the long ball. So we're going to be out there with our drivers, smashing a whole bunch of drivers. And then we might take a couple of strokes on the putting green, and then we're off to our tea time. It should be absolutely the yeah, inverse.
0: Unfortunately, it's not.
3: You know, I I love Aaron Judge. Okay, I love Aaron Judge. We love Mickey Manor. We love Roger Maris. But you know what? Would, would you like to have Yogi Berra on your team? Would you like to have Phil Rizzuto on your team? Would you like to have Derek Jeter on your team? I guess you would. Now, wouldn't you? So you know what? There's a lot of ways to skin the cat here, but the golf cat, the golf cat has to be understood and skinned with the short game. It's the only box that matters. Is a box that says total above it, the one at the end of the card. It's just, just put the number in the last box.
2: Tom, before I let you go, i got to get your thoughts on something because earlier today we saw Tiger Woods named three assistant captains for this year's President's Cup team. Fred Couples, Zach Johnson, Steve Stricker. And I know you've worked with Freddie over the course of your career. Talk about uh, having Freddie as uh, an assistant U.S. President's Cup captain. And then maybe looking ahead to a potential Ryder Cup.
3: Let me make one correction. I've never worked with Freddie as a a coach. Uh, Freddie's a very good friend, a very good friend of mine, an old and dear college friend. But never coached him. Paul Mershon, who's now in Vegas, and and Butch Harmon have done an incredible job with Freddie. So I can't get any credit there at all. He's just a good friend of mine. Naming those people as captains, uh, as co-captains, what a great lineup! Can you imagine sitting in the room? but the collective experience of Tiger Woods, Zach Johnson, okay, Fred Couples, and Steve Stricker. So let's look at that. The greatest player, arguably, Mr. Nichols will probably be cringing right now, of all time, Tiger Woods. The, the wedge play and putting of Zach Johnson, the wedge play and putting of Steve Stricker, and the easygoing nature of Fred Couples. I would say that's a pretty good lineup in, 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 in the team room right there. I would, I would like to take my chances with those four guys leading the charge right there. That's a pretty, I mean, Zach Johnson is, is one of the greatest overachievers of all time you know, in the history of golf, as far as I'm concerned. You know, if you were hitting, if you didn't know who Zach Johnson was, you're hitting balls next to him on a range somewhere. You'd probably give him two aside and you'd lose your house. Uh, Steve Stricker may be arguably the best one of the best wedge players in the past 25 years and who's more competitive than tiger woods and who's more laid back than fred couples what a great balancing act that is i think that's wonderful you know what i feel sorry for the world team
2: (laughs) indeed tom before we let you go remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all of your great tips and instruction and all the great things that you are doing both on your website and over social media
3: Yeah, Chris, of course, it's at com, and then uh, my cell is 239-404-7790, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and two Facebook pages, so if you can't find me, you're not looking very hard. (laughs) Indeed.
2: Well, TP, it's always a lot of fun having you as part of the show. Like, like I say at the top, it's, uh, it's going to be great having you as a regular this year. I can't wait to, for our next, uh, our next time together in a couple of weeks. And then obviously the people out in the Midwest need to prepare themselves because you'll be there before they know it. And I'm not sure they're ready for it yet, but
0: they will certainly uh, get a great teacher.
3: So, listen, we have so many great Midwestern people in, in Naples, Florida. I'm looking forward to getting to know more of them. It should be a wonderful experience. And, Chris, I'm going to make you make a promise to me on the air. You can get from Atlanta to Indianapolis in in not too much time, can you not? Yes, sir. So you're coming this summer. We're going to do a a broadcast from from Indianapolis, Indiana, you and I this summer.
2: I look forward to it. I'm going to hold you to it. So hold me to it. I'm looking forward to that. We will definitely make that happen.
3: Hey, Chris, thank you so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to being on with you as a regular guest. It's so much fun to come on with you. And, and all the things that you do and you say and, and put forth for our troops overseas, it's so wonderful. And, you know, it's, it's something that's near and dear to me. So I appreciate that, and I appreciate everything you do for the game.
2: Uh, I appreciate you, TP. Thank you for saying that. Catch up. Looking forward to catching up with you again real soon, my friend. In between now and then, all the best to you and your family.
3: Thanks, pal. Thanks for being with you.
2: All right. Take care, Tom. That is the great Tom Patry, P-A-T-R-I. And like he says, if you can't find him, you're not looking very hard because he is all over social media, tompatry.com. Wonderful website with a lot of uh, instruction that Tom has put together. And then, like I say, you got to go out and subscribe to Golf Tips Magazine because Tom is one of their top 25 instructors. He's got a lot of great stuff in there, and he's controlling a lot of that content. And uh, it's all fantastic stuff. That's why I clicked the subscribe button as soon as Tom told me that uh, they picked him up. Yeah, I gotta have that magazine. All right, I've got my next guest, Jack Curry, hanging on the line, and uh, I want to let you guys know: as as you're aware, over the last month, we've become great partners with the fr- our friends over at Two Under, Jack being at the front of that, and uh, this segment of the show is sponsored by Two Under. I want to welcome our new partners at Two Under, the unofficial underwear of the PGA Tour, worn by PGA Tour players like Ricky Fowler, David Tom, Jerry Kelly, William McGirt. Jason Kokrak, and Matt Everett, to name just a few. Your buddies are going to think you're a stud if they're even seeing you in your underwear, but that's another story. And your girlfriend and her wife is going to love the side effect, a visibly enhanced profile. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management. It separates a man's most valuable assets from bodily contact to reduce unwanted skin-on-skin contact, providing less chafing, more control, and an altogether more luxurious feel. Start every round two under by wearing the coolest performance briefs on the market on T20. So next on T20 to save 20% off your order at twounder.com. And that's the number two, UNDR.com. Yeah, folks, be sure to go online and check them out. That's the number two, com. All right, now joining me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing at 200, Jack Curry. Jack has been in sales, marketing, licensing, and consulting for about 40 years now. Much of that time has been in the golf, sporting goods, footwear, and apparel sectors. And as you guys have heard me say over the last month, 200 is the best underwear I have ever worn. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, go online again, 2UNDR.com. Use the coupon code t 20 at checkout, it's a uh, it's a wonderful site. It's got a lot of wonderful things on there. I'm telling you, their underwear and t-shirts and accessories are absolutely fantastic. They also sponsor our good friend Mitch Lawrence and his show, Talking Golf Getaways. And I am very honored to have Jack back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Jack, thanks for coming back on the show.
4: Hey, Chris, thanks for having us back on. It's it's fantastic to be here.
2: So, Jack, a lot has happened since uh, you joined me a couple of months ago. First, like I say, very proud to be partnering with you guys at Two Under. Now, it's been a a wonderful partnership that we've uh, kicked off, like I say, over about the last four or five weeks, and it's a a brand that I loved, you know, even before we had you as part of the show. I started buying the product in support of Mitch's show, and as soon as I started to put the underwear and the t-shirts on, I thought, boy, I got to have these guys because this stuff is fantastic. So, good for you. Thank you so much for being a part of the show and uh, being a part now of the Next on the T family.
4: Chris, we're excited to be partners with you and uh, and of course Mitch and, and Darren and the rest of the troops there also, but it's so great to be a part of your show and we certainly appreciate the, the partnership and the the plug that you give for us and the the fact that we have a chance to talk about what we do and uh and how it can uh, affect the industry and for us it's it's been a uh, a fantastic ride so far and we continue to grow our business and add new uh people to our staff which just enhances our all of our opportunities
2: and jack there's been a number of other exciting things that have happened for you guys this year first of all at the PG merchandise show you revealed that Ricky Fowler is now uh, in the fold. So talk about uh, starting to partner with Ricky.
4: Well, that's uh, that was exciting, Chris, and we we've, we've been working with uh, Ricky for well over 2 years. Um he's been wearing the product and been a big fan of the product. Um and it just took us a little while to get it over the finish line to have him uh, come on board as our global ambassador in the face of the brand. And we're so excited to have Ricky be a part of it. Um just because of the kind of person that Ricky is. He's a very humble uh well a mannered young man who just get he he gets what's going on out there in the industry. he's a great player, of course, and uh very fortunate to have his win right after we signed him so I guess everything happens for a reason it's true karma um but you know ricky Ricky was a big fan of the product and uh really instrumental in helping us uh you know when he said that he wanted a product that would not ride up on him and he could focus more on the golf uh that he was playing and and not have to worry about any other things that men have to contend with when they're playing golf and walking 6 or 7 miles each round and uh it was nice to have Ricky's input and also Ricky's endorsement of the product because he truly uh transcends golf I mean he's the kind of young man who we wanted to be associated with because of his um ability to to draft with the kids and the women and the different genres in all the different types of guys, whether they be businessmen, whether it be a motocross rider and a BMX action sports person uh, and or a golfer and a businessman. So we're very blessed to have Ricky on board and very excited uh, for what it's going to bring for us, all of us in the future.
2: And Jack, as you know, you talk about Ricky winning just uh, shortly after after uh, the announcement came at, uh, the, at the PGA Merchandise show in January. And he goes out to the Waste Management Open, a, uh, a tournament that he had come very close to winning on several occasions, several top fives in there. This year, he gets over the hump. And as I've said on social media, I said on this show, what was different? Well, he signed on with two under, and then he started playing the tailor-made golf All two of our uh, partners here on this show. Boom, he gets a big win. You want to talk about um, uh, karma. You guys had to be going crazy. That he won a month after, you know, signing on and becoming one of the faces
4: of the brand. We were excited. And, you know, you know, as a reminder, it's only his second, um, tournament of the year. He played the, uh, obviously the Tory Pines Farmers Open, the insurance open uh, out there and went straight over to the waste management, like you said, and has become, has, has been very, very close numerous times. And boy, what a, what a, ta- uh, a test of resiliency and uh, perseverance and uh, anything that he endured all through that, that little stretch there on Sunday, uh, from 11 through 13 or 14 there was amazing. Um, that tells you the, the kind of uh, player that he is and the kind of, um, attitude and golf resolve that he has to be able to withstand all those pressures and still keep his cool and his calm and go out there and win that thing and, um, you know, it was very nice to see and it was very exciting for us because we're excited for Ricky. We th- we think there's a lot of new things that are in the, on the horizon for us. This is our first year with Ricky, um, of the long-term contract that we're working with him. And, you know, we see a lot of, uh, insight from Ricky on, uh, you know, what's his inspiration? What does he want to see with two under product and, and the briefs that he's going to be, um, a part of? And it, it's all very important to us because, it helps us develop new products and he's going to give us some great input. And we think with his, uh, his line of influencers that he's involved with alone, we'll be getting a lot of input who are all getting introduced to under, um, as you were, uh, through Mitch, uh, you realize that once you've tried it, you want, uh, you got to have more. It's not like a lay's potato chip, but it's pretty darn close. We've got to have a little bit more every time. <laughs> That's right. That's right.
2: And I I tell you, Jack, I, I saw some pictures of Ricky at the Waste Management Open. It looked like was he handing out boxes of underwear on the sixteenth hole?
4: He was. Um, so one of the things that they allow for the uh, contestants, participants there and is the PGA Tour players to give out some of the products um from their endorsements, uh, that they have with the the manufacturers. I guess it was very difficult to throw golf balls up there, so that's uh you know, became a danger and uh liability. So we were fortunate enough to have Ricky handing out our briefs to a lot of people on uh on Saturday and we've got some great press from that and um a lot of social media buzz and it was very, very nice. And again, that's the kind of guy he is. He wanted to be able to do that and we got some great shots of him uh doing it and of course, the contestants, uh, we've had a lot of fun with the social media and with those people coming back to the website thanking us for the opportunity to be a part of us, uh, to Under.
2: And Jack, looking back at the PGA Merchandise Show when all of that was first coming out, what was the buzz like
4: around your space there and uh, how did it go overall at the show? Well, the show for us was fantastic. It was another fantastic show. Um, we, it, to the media, we introduced Ricky on the 22nd of January, which was Tuesday, the demo day. Um, and the actual show, uh, launched on the Wednesday, the 23rd. So the media all knew about it on the 22nd. And then we publicly announced, um, through our, our contacts, um, and our website on the 23rd about Ricky joining us as the global ambassador and then on uh, the show throughout the entire show there was a big buzz and of course we had plenty of Ricky graphics and we were giving away some special prizes um to the the club pros who came in and placed orders um which was a Ricky uh backpack a uh, backpack orange and gray with 2 under logo on it and some Ricky briefs in there um that were part of their purchases that they made uh, at the show as an incentive and it was very nice for all of us, um, to, to have that kind of buzz. It just created a, a, a more of a feeding frenzy, which we were already used to at the show because we've picked up numerous new accounts every year and the word of mouth has spread and we get, continue to get more people to come back to the show, both existing and new customers every year. Um, we introduced, besides the briefs themselves, of course, all the new product there that you're familiar with now. And that is our new uh, luxury t-shirt. In both short sleeve crew neck and V neck, and our long sleeve hoodie tee, um, which was a really big surprise for us because we didn't, weren't sure where what demographic that was going to fall into. Originally, you know, you might have thought that it would be more of a uh, driven by a millennial. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of uh, golf pro shops that are going to be stocking our long sleeve hoodie, which just is a fantastic, casual, um, leisurely kind of shirt that you want to wear, whether it's with the long johns or a pair of sweats when you're hanging out around the house or just casually, uh, you know, mall shopping, you don't have to be formally dressed. So they were all introduced there. Um, We introduced our brand new loungewear collection, which was an overwhelming success as well. And, uh, just getting to meet all the new customers afforded us an opportunity, um, to grow our business again at the show. We had a fantastic show well over last year's, ex- uh, expectations. And, uh, then on Monday, the 28th was the formal announcement to Ricky's followers, which was fantastic. He did a, a tweet and an Instagram post for us and kept our two link uh, on his website and with his Instagram and tw- Twitter followers that, uh, I'll link them to the Two Under website, which is, of course, www, uh, to the number 2, UNDR.com. And we saw a huge spike in our visitors and the people who came in to the website and uh, not only visited us but also purchased. And, Jack, for listeners who
2: are hearing about the brand for the first time and they hear, you know, it's underwear and that sort of thing, but it, you've got multiple collections of different styles of underwear for different purposes. Remind our listeners and let our new ones know. Talk about the different
4: collections that you have and what they're meant for. Sure, I'd be glad to, Chris. Um, the, the number one seller in our line is called the Swing Shift, and it comes. Uh, it's a it's a blend of 95% modal, lensing modal, which is a beechwood fiber. It's a natural fiber, so it's very important for people who uh, may be uh, cotton centric in their mind that they think they have to have a natural fiber. Well, that's what this is, and it's a moisture wicking fabric. It's extremely lightweight, silky, smooth finish. Uh, for a man, it feels like you're wearing nothing at all. It's matched up with 5% elastane to hold its shape. And, uh, the, the modal that we use is the highest quality. So it resists hard water deposits. It will not pill. It will not shrink and it will not fade. These are all, uh, factors in, in a product that's elegantly priced out there. You want to make sure that you have the best quality available to the consumers. And that swing shift comes in three, six, and nine inch leg lengths to accommodate all the men's needs because six inch being a boxer brief length is the number one seller. But there are men out there who have a little extra arse or a little larger quad than the normal, uh, human being and the man. And they'll, they'll want something that goes above that quad or down over the quad so it doesn't ride up on them. And as a matter of fact, that's one of Ricky's uh, biggest, uh, As he loved the nine-inch long leg, which comes down over the quad and doesn't allow that brief to ride up while he's walking six or seven miles each day. And then we added our, for for the cotton-centric person who has to have cotton, we have a bamboo um, cotton blend called the Day Shift, which is a fantastic hand. It's a little heavier than the the Swing Shift, but still very popular for everyday wear. Um, The Swing Shift, of course, is your boardroom, bedroom, golf course, light workout kind of product. But then you got the guys who are uh, the, the CrossFitters and the heavy hikers uh, and the marathoners, the iron men who all want to go out in heavy sweat activities. Of course, our NFL athletes, our major collegiate athletes, the Major League Baseball and NHL players that are all wearing our power shift. And that's a compression-like 90% quick-dry polyester and elastane combination with quick-dry uh, polyester that you literally can go sweat in that extensively for a two to three hour sweat activity, come in and in six to eight minutes, the shorts on the inside are dry, which is the power shift. And that's huge for a man because you're eliminating one of the biggest factors that men have that creates uh, friction is a heat buildup and moisture buildup. And if we can eliminate that and create a dry environment for men's assets, then every man's going to be much, much happier. Um, and that's what the PowerShift does. And we have, we have some extra features in that PowerShift that we feel are very unique, Chris, in the fact that it has a, a mesh back for dissipation of the heat. But in the Joey pouch area, which has our, our patented, uh, and trademarked no drip tip, it's a hydrophobic material that straws moisture away from your body. Um, and it has a full action, uh, uh fly in the front. So you get, um, uh, the ability for quick access if needed. Um, the, the, the whole point of our, um, partnership with Garmatex. Garmatex is a manufacturer of fibers, and they found out that the mineral jade, um, whether it's 100 degrees out or 20 degrees out, stays cool at all times. And by melting that and infusing it into a fiber, whatever part of the body it touches, the skin, stays three to six degrees cooler than the rest of the skin, the rest of the body. Well, that's very, very instrumental for a guy if we uh, happen to have that as part of our Joey pouch, which is our patent. And in that Joey pouch, we have what we call cold skin. Not like I'm putting ice cubes down there, Chris, but it's given every man an opportunity <laughs> to have a little cooling sensation the more he sweats.
2: And, Jack, one of the things that I fall in love with with the brand, and for our listeners that are you know, still in the northern parts of the country where it's still very cold, is the long underwear. I'll tell you what, right now I would wear the long underwear every day if I could. I'm telling you, I love the long underwear. Talk about what you guys offer and why it is uh, so good at keeping us warm.
4: Sure. I see one of the things with, um, with typical thermal underwear with people is uh, thermal underwear can make you sweat excessively. And one of the things that happens if you do that is, um, your body will, will, the air will hit that sweat and will keep the, the like a temperature will create a cold feeling around the body. Well, we created a bamboo and polyester blend uh, product. We call it our long john, and we did it in gray only in September of of 2018 is when we introduced it. And it went uh, gangbusters. People just absolutely loved it. It's a very nice fit. It's a, again, that bamboo is a natural fiber, and it's a, it has uh, great properties to to wick away the moisture away from your your body, and at the same time um, keeps you warm and comfortable. And it's but not adding a third layer. I mean, because the Joey Pouch is built right into the product, you're not wearing that brief that you typically would wear under thermal underwear. So for a man, that's huge because that's a lot more comfort and one less layer you have to deal with, so you can be more comfortable. If you have an insulated uh, pan, if you're, you know, a hockey player or a skier or a wind pan, if you're out there in a inclement weather as a golfer and it you need uh, that warmth. And I typically, uh, I mean, I've played in 42 degree weather where, you know, the wind chill feels like it's 38 and the wind's blowing with a wind pan and that long john. And while everybody else was freezing their tush off, I felt very comfortable. So I, I know that it works, and uh, the consumers have come back and resonated so well with the Long John that we've added it in three different prints um, this year to add a little fun to it. Um, as a matter of fact, at the PGA show, we had that hoodie tee and our new Freedom, which is a USA, red, white, and blue, stars and stripes kind of uh, collage of prints that was uh, on the mannequin. The response to that was overwhelming. Um, that they were, they loved the navy hoodie with that, that print and, uh, the long jaw. And it was great. It was really well received and has been extremely well received by the consumer. It washes well, wears well, and feels good on, while it's on.
2: Jack, just a couple more before we let you go. And you're doing something special to help honor Jared Lyle and his family and help support what, uh, what they need. Talk about that.
4: Yes, thank you for bringing that up. I was going to bring it up myself, and that's great. Um, so uh, our relationship uh, with Brioni and Jared started in 2015 Um, they came into the booth looking for ways. Jared was trying to find ways that, um, his leukemia was in remission at that time. And he was looking for ways to protect his family, knowing that he may not be able to golf for the rest of his life like he had planned to. And they thought about uh, what he wanted to do. And he decided that he and Brioni said, let's, let's be golf distributors in Australia of different brands. And, uh, he became officially with his lovely wife, um, and their two lovely daughters, the distributor, Australian distributor for two under. And uh all the way up until the die- the day he um got um sick and real sick and was forced to go to the hospice, i mean at that point, brioni came to us and said, "We're sorry, but I've got to relinquish this because I've got to spend time with my husband while he's still here, and of course um for his two daughters um so what we've done is we've created a uh basically a donation of all of our green and gold and happens to be the flag color of Australia, happens to be Jared's gold color and along with the green that uh, of course to us is always uh, part of the masters and, and golf and just resonates very well in the golf community. Um, and all any sales from that product, 100% of the proceeds from the day we introduced it this past week um, until we sell out of the product is going to be donated to Brioni and those two you, you wonderful young ladies.
2: Wow. What a wonderful thing. Kudos to you guys, Jack, for, for doing that. That's a, that's an amazing thing.
4: And Jack, We're one more.
2: Um, as, uh, as we look ahead, uh, this week to Valentine's Day, is it too late to, uh, to order something special for, you know, for the, for the wives, daughters, and, uh, you know, anybody else out there that is interested in, in looking at what you guys have going on, which is all, like I say, fantastic. Can we still get it in time
4: for Valentine's Day? Yeah, I think we should get it in time. I think though, there may be some expedited shipping to get it there. But, uh, yes, yeah, so we have some pinks and we have reds and we have our new night shift, which is for those high expectation evenings. So for a romantic evening of, uh, on Valentine's Day, the night shift fills that, uh, the, that, that spot very well.
0: <laughs> That's
2: great. Jack, let our listeners know again about the website and how they can follow
4: you guys on social media as well. Sure. Thanks very much, Chris. Um, obviously, our website is uh, the number 2-U-N-D-R dot com. And we are available on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, we welcome uh, everyone to come on there and join the Instagram uh, Two Under Club. We've got lots of swag that we put out there during the course of the year. Um, and we run specials and of course they can uh, take advantage of the product by using your uh, code NXT on T20, um, at our website. And uh, before they check out, go to the promo box and type that in there and that'll apply your discount for them. Um, we're so proud to have you a part of it and be able to uh, partner with you and your, your whole group here as we, we talk about this every single time we're on. The best thing about two under is that once you have one, you want more. The women have become huge fans of the product because they know their men are happy. And we make it a lot of fun because we have 15 solid colors and nine or 10 different prints that we run three different times a year. So it keeps it fresh and um, a constant look of different prints out there to make it fun. Well, Jack, I I couldn't agree more with everything
2: that you just said because that's how we became partners. I got a couple of pairs of the underwear and I immediately said, I got to have more. And then uh we struck up a conversation and now it's uh, wonderful having you as part of the show. But uh the product's fantastic, you're fantastic, and I can't thank you enough for, for your partnership and coming back and uh giving me uh, a lot of your time tonight. You're the best, my friend.
4: Thank you very much, Chris. Glad to be a partner with you and uh, look forward to more discussion down the down the road. Same here. Take care, Jack. All the Take best care. to
2: you and your family. We'll catch up soon.
4: You too, Chris. That is the great Jack Curry, and again, it's
2: two under the number two u n d r dot and put in coupon code N X T on T twenty, save yourself twenty percent as well. And uh, I, I I don't know what more to say, folks. It is absolutely the best underwear, the absolutely the best t shirts. You put them on, you feel great all day long. And one of the things that Jack mentioned a moment ago is it it almost does feel like you're wearing nothing at all. It is absolutely that comfortable. And I'm, and I'm telling you, I was a huge fan of the product way before we ever had the privilege of having Jack and Two Under as a sponsor on the show. That's how it all started. Got a couple of pair in just in support of our good friend, Mitch Lawrence. And then from there, I said, boy, I, ca- I got to have more of this. And then uh, he got me in touch with Jack and we started conversations and that's how they became a sponsor. But it was because I believe so heavily in the product and how great it is. And I promise you, those log underwear folks, very comfortable, and I would absolutely right now be wearing those things every day. Got a couple of pair, and uh, I'll be going back for a, a third, a fourth, and a fifth because they're that comfortable, they're that warm. And when it's cold outside and you want to get on the practice range right now, waiting for spring, nothing better to have on than that. Looking forward to having Jack uh, as part of the show and looking forward to having him back on again real soon. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. I want to send out my sincere thanks to Keith Jarvis, Chris Chia, Tom Patry, and, of course, Jack Curry as well for joining me tonight. Please go online and check us out, folks. Uh, go to our Facebook page, Next on the T with Chris Mascaro. Share any feedback or comments you have there. Plus, if you have a question for one of our future guests or one of our previous guests, go on there and let me know. I'll be glad to get those questions answered for you. You can check out our guest schedule by going to our website, nextonthetea.net. Please also check out our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host, Bob Lazeri, and our announcer, Joe Lajanusa. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And that show, like this one, is available as a feature podcast over on our friends Podbean. So go to podbean.com or download the Podbean app, and you can take that show, this show, with you everywhere you go. So whether you're working out, you're out there, at the gym, on your commute, at the grocery store, wherever you are, you can listen to us there. You can also find us on other great sites like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Amazon, Alexa, and on the Armed Forces Radio Network as well. On Thursday Night Tailgate, we are joined every week by five NFL legends who come on and share their stories from their playing days and their insights into what's going on around the league now. Plus, we highlight communities and our spotlight on the positive segment. You can find that show online at ThursdayNightTailgate.com. Again, this one, next on nextonthet.net. Folks, thank you again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. We know you've got a lot of radio shows and podcasts you have the opportunity to listen to. We really appreciate the fact that you are making this show one of them. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next On The Tee with Chris Mascaro. We're PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members. Join us the same
3: time every Tuesday To hear more stories About the game we love From people who love Sharing
2: those stories with you It's all about the great game of
1: golf It's all about